Welcome to Time for the Soul. My name is Sharon Kugler and I'm the Yale University Chaplain. And today our guest is um, someone who has a per permanent space in my heart. Her name is Elizabeth Reese, Liz Yampovi, who I knew when she was an undergraduate at Yale, graduated in class of 2011, am I right? Yep. <laughs> One of the first students I, I had the privilege to get to know uh, while she was here as an undergraduate, and we've kept in touch ever since. Liz is an assistant professor of law at Stanford University, a scholar of American Indian tribal law, federal Indian law, and constitutional law. Her work focuses on the intersection of identity, race, citizenship, and government structures. She is, to put it quite bluntly, fierce, always has been, maybe even sometimes with trembling knees, but always fierce. <laughs> always, always fierce. And, um, and when I thought about who I wanted to have a conversation with uh, regarding work that's sacred and a, a, call, a true call, Liz came to my mind very quickly, and I was so happy we could make this happen. <laughs> I, I think about the work that you've done, even who you were as an undergraduate, and certainly the intellectual heft that you have put into play repeatedly as you've gone through your schooling, uh, you have done sacred work, and you have also been, while doing this, facing down power structures. And I'm wondering, do, do those descriptions speak to you, Liz, as I describe it to you, or it's coming in as a little bit from left field? Uh, no, I think they certainly do speak to me. Um, one of the things that uh, I think has always been uh, central to how I understand myself as as a as a Pueblo woman is that um, there are no clear boundary lines between the you know parts of my life or, or, or my culture that seem to be. Um, sacred or, you know, about uh, religion and the things that are about, you know, anything else. I think the the way that I was raised to understand our own uh, belief systems and, and spirituality um, at, at Nambe Pueblo, where, where I'm from, is that everything is so interconnected, um, both, you know, people with the world, but, um, you know, in nature, but also, you know, with each other. And, and so things like our uh, relationships with one another are also part of this uh, system of who we are as beings and what it means to be in that world. And so uh, for me, so much of my work, I think, has been trying to uh, you know, push for better, you know, healthier, more equal, sustainable, um, respectful ways of of being in the world for for different peoples, um, and also for uh, an end to the invisibility of uh, Native peoples that I think has um, made it all the more like possible and easier for us to be like treated as less than human and less than sort of part of this uh, equal human family. Um, 
And, uh, and I think that's, you know, those, that brings in concepts of like, you know, what is dignity? What is, um, uh, what does it mean to be, um, really meaningfully, uh, treated respectfully or, or, or equally, or like part of a, um, you know, I, I do a lot of work talking about recognizing, uh, tribal governments as, and, and tribes as really a part of, um, of America. And, and I, I often use the term like the American family of governments, mm-hmm. I think, because that like, I think conveys more than just like, it's, you know, they're part of an American government structure too, which is true, but also using the term, I think, family, um, to me, uh, suggests more than that. And, and that's, you know, that's part of the same sort of interconnected uh, recognition that that I see as a very spiritually informed way of me being in the world and, and, and moving through it. I'm so glad that you talked about the term family because the thing that I think about when I have <clears throat> recollections of conversations we've had over the years and just mm-hmm. uh, my own um, respect and appreciation for your work from afar is there's also this element of love in it all. Mm-hmm. And I have seen that in you, embodied in you, and and sometimes that's born out of pain, um, but sometimes mm. it's also nurtured along in uh, your reach. And I'm wondering if that speaks to you at all, that word love, the notion of your work as loving work. Yeah, no, I, 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 think, I think it does. I think... Um you know, one of the things, I think there's two ways that that can be, that I, that I could emphasize that. Uh, one is that I, you know, like I, I love the people in my life and, and, and my family and particular. And um, I think being from an uncommon background, um, uh, you know, having family and uh, who are, you know, all, all who are native and who, who live on a reservation, I think, uh, struggle with some of the things that um, are difficult about uh, this, you know, socioeconomic conditions there and, and things like that. Um, I, I think that brings an awareness to my work that's always been really important. And that uh, I think a lot of people don't have um, when you don't have direct connections and and love for people who might be um, you know it's experiencing sort of the the other side of what you know policies are made for um, mm-hmm. and so you know to me like that love and that continued love has been very important always for me to think about um, what it means to do that work or to advocate for policies in an informed, loving, and correct way. Uh, and the other thing I think is that like, I, 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 like, I, like, I love native people, (laughs) you know, and, and I love who I am as a native person. And, um, it's, I think, very, very easy for people to forget 
just what that could mean and how deep it goes. You know, I like, and and how strange it is to be to be a native person and to sort of still uh, hold on to all that love. You know, I, you know, we had whole existences and and you know and nations and you know I think if you were to say like well how much do you love everything it is about you know your experience of being an American so far you know like the you know the food and the buildings and all the things that feel sort of normal and you know part of your experience of that identity and um you know I and and we feel that way about our identities and, or I, you know, I certainly do about mine and, you know, to think that you could have all of that and then experience the tremendous loss that we have in through colonialism, um, you know, walk, sometimes walking through parts of this country, it's like, you know, the loss itself is so striking and, and sad that there's, you know, what could have been, what might have been here if, you know, if colonialism hadn't happened. And in some ways this, you know, this is the country built like literally, but also figuratively on top of, of bones, of, of, of what, of who we could have been or were. Um, and so what do you do with that? <laughs> what do you do with that love, but that loss? And um, I think to me, uh, keeping um, always sort of faith in, in the importance of that and that survival has been so key that I, you know, I want my grand, you know, grandkids, great grandkids mm -hmm. to be recognizable to me as native people you know i i love my identity i love my i love my country you know both Bay and the united states um so much and i want my you know i i hope that my great grandparents would recognize me you know that they would see me and and the way i live my life and 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 I'm tied to our culture and you know the sacred songs i i grew up um in ceremony dancing and, and praying with that they would they would hear those and they would know oh yes those are our songs this is our you know this is our child um and i i want that so badly for my great grandparent great grandkids and feel like you know i i love this i you know way of being and and my community so much that i you know that it's on me you know to make sure that i can do everything that i can with the skill sets that i have been given to make that a reality. I think that your deep appreciation for and respect for intergenerational work and commitment is something that, you know, I, I saw when you were very young uh, and you would describe um, ceremonies and, and the Pueblo and the littlest mm -hmm. one dancing and the oldest ones <laughs> dancing. And it wasn't about skill as much as it was about presence and yeah. a supportive community. And I'm, I'd love mm -hmm. to just talk a little bit about you as a teacher now, mm -hmm. you as a professor, 
um, and how you see yourself translating these important messages to your students and helping to equip them for a world that is still so um, hurting and in need of informed, loving, caring, and brave work. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really great and hard question. I think, you know, one of the things that always struck me the most about when I first came to Yale, and I, I remember talking with you about these things, was that I, I was raised to think about other people and about community and about my place in the community and my role in the community and that this was all sort of co you know like a codependent like organism really um and so i did you know who i was doesn't make sense outside of this community and without this community and when i went to to yale i felt really um and my, the strongest experience of culture shock that i had was with this sense of individualism mm -hmm. that I think predominated not just, you know, the, the ideas I was learning and encountering, um, but also how people were living their lives. I think people were, I felt like a lot of people felt like it was much more normalized to focus on just themselves, their happiness, and also their careers and, and, and success over and, and be a little bit blind to like how that would affect other people. And I, you know, I'm not sure if what your sense is of how much this has changed, but like my students right now, I think are in a different place than my peers were when I was in college. I think that um, there's been a, a like a generational shift that has made students now incredibly you know, much more likely, I think, to see and care about the world and, and other people and to try to um, be intentional and compassionate about that. Uh, I think, though, what they aren't is prepared for how hard that is mm -hmm. and how to draw lines around that and how to do that in a way that's actually both effective, but also not really draining. And I think, you know, that was something I struggled with too. But now I think as a teacher, one of the things that I, I find is that, uh, you know, students feel like they're struggling with the weight of these things they care about um, in a new way. And so a lot of times as a teacher, I think my job is to sometimes to share those skills of how to kind of keep your chin up mm -hmm. and do work and, and see what you've done so far as something that should feed you and fuel you and um, to, you know, find love and joy in the places, in the places that you need to, um, rather than being uh, fully, I think, consumed by the daunting task of, of what folks, I think, as, as the change they might want or you know too much despair from the parts of the world that aren't the way that they want it to be because 
I think that's that's something a lot of folks really struggle with right now. Your students are lucky to have you. And <laughs> I feel blessed that I got to know you when you were so young. And yet, even then, um, it was clear to me that your imprint on the world was going to be one that won't uh, won't ever really be erased. And I want to thank you mm. for spending time no, for the you. soul. <laughs> so good to see you, Liz, and yeah. my love to you and your family. Well, thank you and yours as well. Give that puppy a hug. <laughs> <laughs> and the husband. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Take care. Thank you, Liz. Time for the Soul is produced by Ryan McAvoy, created by Sharon Kugler, Maytal Satiel, and Sean Mignon. Our music is by J.P. Durvin. This has been a production of the Yale Broadcast Studio. 